we're going to uh, focus uh, our show right now on organized labor and how it's dealing with the coronavirus. And joining me now is Bob Ryder. Bob is the president of the Chicago Federation of Labor. The CFL is the third largest central labor council of the AFL-CIO. It represents nearly 300 unions and labor organizations, representing over a half a million union members in Chicago and Cook County. Bob, thank you so much for joining me on this Sunday. Thanks, Rick. It's a little weird. You know, I've been on your show before, but I've been staring across the room at you and, you know, but you sound close. Well, good, good. I mean, it's uh, it's a little weird for everybody these days. Let's face it. Yeah, no, it's it's really it's really, you know, something that takes a lot of adjusting to. But, you know, what we're doing now hopefully will help flatten the curve and we can get back to uh, being uh all being in a place where we can, you know, see each other face to face and communicate like we're used to. Uh, we're all hoping for that, believe me, Bob. I, I'm, I was curious, and and this kind of struck me as, you know, obviously we had the governor's stay at home order, except for essential employees from uh, around March 21st, I believe it was. And and I guess, uh, do we have too many essential employees under those guidelines? Yeah, no, it's 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 a fair question. It's also a difficult question to answer. You know, the way way our society is set up, the way um, work is set up is, you know, there's so many things that are that are inter- interdependent on one another. Um, you have you have construction related to food supply through upkeep of facilities. You have healthcare workers. You, I mean, it's you. It's not a. It's not an easy. It's not an easy system to design. To the design, I'm sure, in terms of trying to figure out who's essential and and who's not. But um, I don't know if you've uh, stopped in over uh, at your headquarters. You know the Tribune and either, whether it's the Tribune or WGN. I you know the two buildings aren't far apart apart from each other and. The you know the Tribune offices are in the same building I'm in, right. and uh, you know it's it's a ghost town. It's literally a ghost town. So um, I do think that what we have in place now has um, definitely created a situation where people are apart from each other, and hopefully in a way where we can uh, promote uh, social distancing and stop the spread of the virus. Um, you know, essential employees. And, you know, a lot of the essential employees that are out there working right now are members of, um, you know, the affiliate unions that I represent. Right. Uh, also clerks, letter carriers, um, truck drivers, grocery store clerks, and then the people that are, I mean, they're all first responders in some way, in my view. But then we also represent, you know, the doctors and nurses and the LPNs and the service people at Cook County Hospital, nurses and service folks at um, many other hospitals like the University of Chicago. Uh, we represent people at Northwestern um, and so many other safety net hospitals around Chicago. And these are the folks, um, you know, that are out there um, in the trenches, as it were, fighting for our health and safety. And uh, deserve our thanks, absolutely. I, I, but there's a, but Rick, there's another group, too, I think, that 
deserves everybody's thanks as well that have been affected by this crisis. You know, the trade show industry um, started to um, unwind at the end of February, beginning of March. And the amount of people that are um, that work in that industry, whether it's the hotel hotel um, maids, the um, folks who build the trade show exhibits in the Cormac Place, the people that are stagehands in our city's theaters, and these these people all went to virtually a hundred percent unemployment. And you know the you know the thought behind that is. You know, as the as we start limiting gatherings, those industries need to need to scale back down and shut down. And those all those folks are suffering economically, but they're you know they're doing it for the for the common good, as it were. And I think we need to take a lot of appreciation for that, and also keep that in mind for those of us who can continue to work, whether it be for home or other or other means. You know the don't forget the people who lost their jobs in this crisis so we could all promote social distancing and, you know, protect the health and safety of our greater society. We're speaking to Bob Ryder. He's the president of the Chicago Federation of Labor. I'm Rick Pearson. You're listening to The Sunday Spin. This is The Sunday Spin on 720 WGN. Once again, here's Rick Pearson of the Chicago Tribune. Welcome back to your Sunday Spin on this Sunday evening. I'm Rick Pearson of the Chicago Tribune here in the WGN Skyline studio. Joining me on the phone is Bob Ryder. He's the president of the Chicago Federation of Labor. Bob, I was curious, you know, we obviously we touched on essential employees, but I mean, we are confronting issues like, you know, separation and wearing masks, those kinds of things. And, you know, some of these people that we obviously we know about the healthcare industry and what they're facing. But I'm curious, what about as far as social distancing and uh, those kinds of protections uh, on the job site of others who are deemed as essential employees? No, that's an important question. I mean, workers are sacrificing for the city and this country, and all of us owe them a debt of gratitude. And one of the challenges that they face is being able to, you know, make sure that their health and safety is safeguarded. I mean, look at grocery store workers, um, pharmacists. You know, we represent all those folks. There's a lot of concern around making sure that they have the proper personal protective equipment, that there's hand sanitizer, that they have masks. Because they're not, say, you go into a grocery store, right, and you're you're there for an hour. Well, the you know, you have exposure for yourself for that hour, but then you're going back home. These these folks that are working these stores, they're exposed for their entire shift, right? And I think it's something that we have to make sure that people have them, you know, have the forefront of their mind. So, you know, I we're seeing more practices at some of these stores where they're starting to separate customers. But when you when you pull up to the grocery store and you see the parking lot packed, just, you know, Think to yourself, are you, you know, you're not just putting yourself at risk and you're not just putting the other customers at risk. You're putting everyone that works in that store at risk. So you see that parking lot crowded, you know, maybe look at coming back later. Those, those folks have, you know, they're, they're taking people as they come, as they, as they arrive in the door. 
I mean, I've seen, obviously, at the grocery store, we're seeing more stores putting up kind of uh, plastic dividers to separate the the uh, cashier from the customers and that kind of thing. But also in in these stores, let's face it, uh, sometimes you can't you can't get six feet of separation to go down an aisle. Um, and to have these store workers, I mean, are, are they getting the, the, the frontline support they need? I mean, I think it varies by it varies by location. It varies by employer. I know that um, some of the employers are have have expressed their concern and wanting to you know put more um, things like you're talking about in terms of the separators. But at, at the same time, you know, I don't know that they're doing enough yet. Um, we've had a lot of complaints around properly. Um, stocking with sanitizer for our pharmacists and you know they're coming into contact potentially with people who may have a variety of different illnesses um every day and you know that that in and of itself aside from the coronavirus can help um compromise their immunity right and then make them more susceptible to COVID-19. So are we just kind of really, in all of this, like, you know, with everything else, are we just kind of writing the rules as we go here? I mean, I, I, I think that the CDC's put out a lot of good guidelines. I know that in some of our workplaces that, you know, take construction sites, I know that there's a lot of uh, contractors that are putting up, um, you know, making sure that the job sites are following the CDC guidelines. But. This is something else that I want to say. If if you're a, if you're listening right now and you're a union worker anywhere in the city, and you think that your employer isn't following guidelines or taking um, taking care of you on your job as an essential employee, you need to call your union and tell them. Right? Don't put your health and safety in the hands of the employer. Put it in the hands of yourself and the people that are your voice on the job site. Um, Rick, I think that there's a lot of people that are that mean well, both on both sides of the fence. Um, you know, in terms of our workers and the um, and the employers. But my job is to make sure that the workers are are protected and that they're given they're given the proper PPE. So we're going to keep we're going to keep you know elevating that, and making sure that people are paying attention. Um, you know, whether they're whether um, there's disagreement over who's who should be essential and who's not. I feel a responsibility to all of them that if they're out in the front lines for us, we need to make sure that they're that they have the proper they have the proper um, CDC um, guideline equipment and protective gear to make sure that we keep them safe. Well, and I think uh, just the other day, Governor Pritzker kind of echoed what you were saying as far as uh, if there are employers telling people who feel sick that they have to come into work, that uh, that the, the, they need to be reported for doing that. Yeah, and I, I think right now, um, anyone who, I, I think that anyone who believes that their employer is going to come after them for showing up to, you know, because they don't come into work because they're sick or they don't feel well or because uh, they're they, they're afraid that their employer won't take their fear of getting sick seriously. I think we need to take a look at those employers 
And there's the, they're the ones who should have fear and shame, not the worker. Um, we mentioned about job sites and those kinds of things. What about as far as uh, employers notifying people, uh, these essential employees at various jobs that their colleagues may have may have uh, tested positive? Well, I know of a few instances where that's happened and the employer has shut the job down, um, ordered deep cleaning of, of the work site, and uh, before they cleared everyone to come back. And, you know, sometimes this, you know, it's even involved uh, someone who had been exposed who was on multiple um, work sites and all those work sites were closed. But I will tell you that I don't believe that that's likely to happen in every instance. And we need to be vigilant about holding, holding people accountable, um, whether that's, that's the top of the food chain or some intermediate supervisor. The workers of the city need to make sure that if they're out there helping to hold our, our society and our economy and our structure and our safety net together, that they also have the protections they should have. But there is also a responsibility on the worker, too. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And we would, you know, I, I'm the first one to say, um, if you're sick, stay home. I mean, I have, you know, I, you know, I have people in my family who, um, who would be susceptible and vulnerable to this virus. Um, I'm trying to do everything I can to protect my, my family members. Um, I think everyone needs to um, share in that responsibility. And that's, that's also why, you know, you look at all those workers who are now sitting at home because their industry shut down and they, you know, they're the most vulnerable economically, right? Some of these people are going to lose their health care if they haven't already lost it. Right. And it's not, it's not something that could, a switch that could be flipped. Oh, I had health care through my employer. Now I'm going to jump on the ACA. We need to do more for those, for those people, whether it's going to Congress and asking for health care protections for, for those individuals, or people who can work at home, don't have your kids playing with the neighbor's kids, right? Don't 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 think that you're somehow immune in your neighborhood and you can go have a party in someone's driveway. Be responsible. Whether it's whether you're sitting in your house or you're at work, be responsible. Let's let's slow this thing down. Let's not break our healthcare system and let's protect our frontline workers. Well, and the reason I bring this up is a text message. Basically, some uh, a, a, a laborer and, and some people uh, tested uh, positive, and they're probably afraid of losing their job, losing their paycheck, losing their insurance. They're still showing up at job sites. Yeah, one of the things that we fought for um, here, both from Chicago um, with with our uh, elected leaders and. Washington and Senator Durbin and all of our great people and Senator Duckworth and all of our great uh, folks from the congressional delegation was to get direct payments to workers, um, to get that $600 added to unemployment. And in this next round, we're fighting to get COBRA protection. So if someone gets thrown off their health care, much like they did in 2000, during the housing crisis in 2008, that we supplement their um, COBRA payments so they can maintain their health care and take take as much of that anxiety as uh, away as possible. Obviously there's talk, even though we've gone phase three, which is, is, you know, part of those uh, expansion of unemployment benefits, as well as uh, direct payment to uh, workers. 
what what do you want to see besides maybe cobra coverage uh, for a, a phase four bill well i mean i gotta be honest with you what there's since this started since this started really ramping up in terms of focusing on federal legislation you know blowing past you know what the trump administration was calling for and working with our elected leaders we've been the cfl has been focused almost completely on that health care piece mm-hmm. we, we we are supporting and working on all the other things that have that have um, come along the way like direct payments of workers we were calling for that and working um, with our with our folks on um, paid leave benefits but the thing that I learned in my career back during the housing crisis was how critical those cobra payments were and I don't know that people realize you know, what can happen, especially for our folks on multi-employer uh, health care funds. You know, their reserves right now are even threatened by um, how crazy the stock market's been. Being able to maintain that, health, maintain that health insurance for, I don't know, you know, are we going to be in this thing for 12 months? You know, are, are, when are some of these industries going to come back? How long can people hold out? On the, on the health plan that they have right now? And do we want to see them get thrown off? So while we've been working on every other piece, our, our effort that we've been trying to lead on has been that health care piece. And I've got my, I, I continue myself and the rest of my team to have our eye on that ball. That's Bob Ryder. He is president of the Chicago Federation of Labor. And uh, Bob, like uh, a lot of people, will be looking to see what kind of health care expansion coverage is included in any phase four legislation. Bob, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Rick. Thank you so much.